Welcome to the Gateway Women Podcast. I am Bridget Morris, the Executive Pastor of Adult Ministries here at Gateway Church, and I have the honor and privilege of leading our women's ministry. We want to help you in your walk as a believing woman. And God created women with an intricate design. We are multifaceted. So we want to bring something that speaks to you. Okay, girls, this week's message is titled Generational Unity. And I thought about naming it like embracing our elders. And then I started thinking, if a younger girl came to me and said, I'm going to embrace you because you're my elder, I might not be as embraceable. So, uh, and I, honestly, I didn't feel like that really encompassed all that the Lord wanted to say to us through this message. It's, it's not only about embracing our elders, it's about embracing other generations. All the generations that are around us, they each have value, that each season has value. And so that's what I felt like the Lord wanted to share with us for this week's message is how much value there is in the individual and um, specific seasons that we're in right now. We're supposed to harmonize together like a choir. If you, if you picture um, the choir of the Lord, and that's all of us girls all together, all of us women, and we're all singing our song to the Lord. And it is like this beautiful blend, this harmony, this beautiful blend of voices. But the minute we start comparing ourselves to each other, that's when we start like side glancing, right? And then all of a sudden, somebody's voice gets a little louder or somebody's voice gets a little softer and the balance of that harmony gets off. The beauty of our generations, the beauty of our seasons is that we are blended together to create a beautiful chorus. We're supposed to complement each other, not compare, right? We wanna complement each other. We wanna harmonize, not compare each other. Point number one is who is our focus? Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Comparison steals our focus. Comparison steals our focus. Our focus should be on the Lord, but when we start comparing ourselves to each other, we start side glancing and then our focus gets off. Comparison produces either arrogance and superiority, or it produces insecurity and inferiority. Either way, we have the wrong perspective. Either way, our focus is off. It should be on the things of the Spirit. It should be on the Lord. But when we start comparing, our focus gets off. And honestly, we get this, um, we either start focusing too much on other people or we start focusing too much on ourselves inwardly. And, and we either start feeling like, I'm too good for this. I'm too old for this. I'm too young for that. I'm too this, I'm too that. Or we go the opposite way and oh, I could never do this. They're so much better. I, what do I have to offer? That's the wrong perspective. Ladies, that's the wrong perspective. We need to see the beauty in each other's season, the beauty in each other's generation, the beauty in each other. If we're gonna have that unity, we need to keep the perspective of the value and the beauty in those around us. When we compare, we can discount each other. And when we discount each other, we're not even discounting each other as much as we are the Lord, what the Lord is doing in the other person. So I wanna challenge us. And I, I don't even think this is intentional. We don't even intentionally compare. It just kind of is like this thing that kind of runs through some of our thoughts. It's not this um, 
you know, you look at another person and think, oh, I'm so much better than them. Or like, oh, they're so much better than me. It, it's this unintentional, unintentional comparison that, that changes our focus. It, it, it switches and jades our focus. We need to be focused on the Lord and what he is calling us to do and how we are to obey him, what the next step is. So if that's unintentional, we need to be intentional about unifying our generations. That's where our intentionality needs to stay. So point number two is, who is our mentor? Who is our mentor? We're gonna jump into Acts 16, but before that, I wanna set this up. So Paul is like one of the most influential, most effective, one of the most famous people in the New Testament. He had this radical conversion where he went from killing Christians to being saved and then going out and preaching the gospel and getting so many people saved. It was a true transformation of his life. And, and on his journey, uh, this is his second missionary journey through this string of cities. He, he went once through and now he's going a second time through to kind of catch up with those same churches, those same uh, believers. So we pick up in the story and the Lord highlights to him who his protege is. He, he highlights a certain young man and calls Paul to be his mentor. So we pick up in the story, it's Acts 16, one through three. Paul went first to Derby. That's the Texas version of that word. Derby, maybe, I don't know. And then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. He was intentional. He brought him in to the journey. In deference or respect to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. So there's lots of reasons why this story, this part of the story, this, this circumcision is relevant and is like really um, impactful. But the reason it is so significant isn't only because of the cultural aspect or even the spiritual aspect. Those are huge. But what I want us to focus on is the fact that Timothy is a young man. He's not a baby. No one is carrying him to the physician's office. He walks himself into that office. He walks himself into that amount of pain. Why? Why would you do that? He's not being forced. He's not being coerced. He willingly signs himself up for that. And what I think is really cool about this is that Paul and Timothy, we know now, have this amazing relationship. But we know that on this side. Timothy, at that point, he, he just met the guy. And yet he is so willing to be a part of the cause, a part of the mission, that he's willing to cut something off so that he can be more effective in his ministry. He takes advice and counsel from a man who he wants to be his mentor. It's his future mentor, but he doesn't know the long road that they're gonna have together. This is the beginning. And he takes that wise counsel, he takes that advice and says, okay, if that's what I need to do, that's what I'm gonna do. I gotta tell y'all, I've had a few mentors in my life who have called me out on some things and said, listen, for where you're gonna go, for the ministry you're gonna have, you can't do that. You can't have that. And it's not that it's something bad. It's actually, you know, fine, it's great. Lots of people do that, lots of people have that. But you can't because of where you're going. And I had a choice. I could say, yeah, but everybody else is, it's fine. 
Or I could submit myself to that wise counsel. And I can say, I wanna be the most effective. So I'm gonna lay this down and it might be painful, but I'm gonna lay it down to be more effective. Timothy couldn't fulfill God's purpose and plan for his life until he was submitted under Paul's teaching and Paul's leadership, Paul's mentorship. That was part of Timothy's step of obedience. We don't all need to be under Paul's teaching necessarily, but that was for Timothy. What's your next step? What's your piece of obedience? Who do you need to be under? What accountability do you need to be under? There's value in our generations. There's value in the generation that came before us. They have a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of life experience that we can gain. We can benefit from their life experience. So here's the deal. Timothy had to go through some pain and it cost Timothy something to be all in for this mission. But it also cost Paul something. I mean, how many moms out there know when you ask your kid to clean their room, who's gonna, who could do it faster? The mom or the kid? Okay, obviously moms win, right? We could clean it in an instant, but we can't do that forever. We have to train them up and teach them in, in how to do that. So that was a little bit like how Paul would have gone through this journey. Paul was gonna have to take time, invest, use his energy and his resources to come alongside Timothy and train him up in the way that he should go. Timothy was already a disciple. His mom had gotten saved on Paul's first journey. On Paul's first mission, he went through her city and she heard the teaching of Jesus and she became a disciple. She got saved. So that now, it, between that time from the first journey to the second, Timothy receives Christ. Timothy becomes a disciple. And he is well known in the community of believers as being an upstanding young man. So he has the um, support of his community. They already like Timothy. So when Paul comes to town and is teaching, he hears about this young man who's a standout amongst the community. And he says, I want you to join our mission. That's pretty honoring to say, I want you to join me. That's intentional on this journey, on this missionary journey. But it's gonna cost you something. But you're gonna have to go through a little pain so that you can be the most effective in your ministry. And I think this was a little bit of a test from Paul to see like, how willing are you? Because Timothy was down for it. But how willing are you? Are you willing to go through a little bit of pain for God's kingdom? This isn't about creating your own ministry. This isn't Paul's ministry. This isn't Timothy's ministry. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ to believers to the unsaved, to become followers of Jesus. So Paul is checking out Timothy's character, his integrity. He hears his reputation, but then he says, I'm gonna test it. So he signs him up to go get circumcised. And what does Timothy do? He walks himself there. He shows integrity. He shows the character that the Lord was looking for. It's not only Paul's test, it was God's test. Are you willing to go through pain for my kingdom? Because Paul knows, God knows, this is not gonna be a joy ride. This isn't like a fun mission trip. This is like the road of persecution. He's gonna have to be steadfast in his mindset. He's gonna have to be fully on board 
fully in for the mission ahead. And that was Paul's test. That was God's test for him. Generational unity doesn't always look like the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Sometimes it just looks like having a relationship with other women in other generations. It can be a simple thing as just a friendship. It's just a relationship. But we've got to be intentional. In my own life, I have some women, some mentors, some friends, some people who honestly just took me under their wing, like Paul took Timothy. And they've cared for me in times when I didn't know what to do. They cared for me. So um, after we had our first son, Parker, we um, got, I got pregnant, you know, about a year and a half after, and I miscarried. And then I got pregnant again a couple months after that, and my third pregnancy, I miscarried. And then with my fourth pregnancy, it was about two and a half months in, and I started bleeding. And of course, I'd already gone through two rounds of miscarrying. So instantly we go to the doctor, and I am very afraid of what he's gonna tell me. And he says, you know, it wasn't necessarily great news, but the baby was alive. So I was on bed rest for 16 weeks. 16 weeks. Parker was two years old. Y'all, that was a rough time. That was a rough time. But who was at my door dropping off meals? Who was coming to pick up laundry to do for me? Who was bringing toys for Parker so that when we're laying in bed together, he had new toys that would keep him busy? It was some women in our life group. It was some other wives of couples that were in our life group. Older women who had walked this road before. They'd had experience with this type of loss. Who pastored me through that? Those women. Those 16 weeks of being on bed rest with a two-year-old. I just got it, like, picture that, y'all. It was rough. Who came beside me? Obviously, my mom did a ton. So all the mamas out there, like, you know your value. We love you. My mom, my husband's mom, they came to my rescue. But the girls who were my age, they didn't really know what to do. They didn't know how to help. They had not walked that road before. Those older women, you know, a couple of them were just a little bit older. Some of them my mom's age. They came alongside and they pastored me through the loss. They pastored me through the heartbreak. They just pastored me through that season. They were from a different generation, but they held so much value and they cared for me. That's actually one of the reasons that I got into women's ministry in the first place. That's, that's right after that is when I got plugged into women's ministry because I saw the value of women coming alongside each other and loving each other and being Christ to each other, body to body. And now, for the last few years, I've been able to be that person for others. I've been the woman who's walked that road. So I'm now dropping off dinner on doorsteps. I'm now taking calls in the middle of the night to pray for a miracle, pray for a healing, pray for peace. I'm now the girl that picks up a two-year-old so that mom can go take a shower in peace. I'm able to be that for the next, just like those before me were that for me. God places us in community for the beauty of it. He places us in community for the love of each other so that we can be the body of Christ to each other, to one another, in like true communion together. 
That's what community is. We have a gift of different generations. We have a gift of different generations. Sometimes it's easy for birds of a feather to flock together. And there's nothing wrong with having friends in your own season. That's awesome. But if you only have that, you are missing out. You are missing out. There's a whole nother vivid color scale waiting for you. I wanna encourage you. Now, older women, if you've gotten caught up in the comparison game and you're looking over and you're feeling like, I'm out. Do not discount your value. You are valued, you are highly valued. You've got life experience that we can glean from. You are resilient. You've got wisdom from the Lord and we need it. We need to hear it. So we honor you and we value you. To the younger girls out there, you have a tenacity. You've got a love for life. We need you and we love you and we respect you. You are welcome and we love you. We want you in women's ministry. Women's ministry is not for the old and it's not for the young. It's for all women. This month, let's be intentional to build unity among the generations around us. Let's be intentional about gathering the different seasons to our community. Let's be intentional to love each other. We'll see you next time.